You are listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. Forge Leadership Network mentors, trains, and connects young conservatives ages 18 to 25, equipping them to lead in politics, culture, and business. For more information or to get involved, visit forgeleadership.org. Usually when you think about Daniel, you think about the night in the lion's den, right? And that's a wonderful, powerful story. But it's actually at the end of the book of Daniel when he is probably in his 80s. And I want to start at the beginning of the book of Daniel, in, in Daniel chapter 1, when he's in a different kind of lion's den. And that's the Babylonian royal court. Because I think his courage and conviction in that setting, in the royal court, offers hopefully useful lessons for all of you guys who are going to be thrown into a sort of contemporary royal court, which is interning and eventually working, uh, hopefully, in politics generally, whether that's in Washington, D.C., uh, in a state capital or in another setting uh, where you're around power. I think walking through chapter one of the book of Daniel, you can just see a lot of wisdom for uh, our own lives as we go about our careers and, and calling to public service. So Daniel shows up in Babylon, right, as a young man. And Babylon is the capital city of the Babylonian Empire. And for him, he arrives in a little bit different circumstance, different setting in life than maybe you guys do when you're starting out, right? So often, I'm sure these Forge young people that Adam has recruited, you guys are the conquering heroes of your high school academic and social circles. Different for Daniel, right? He came as a hostage of a conquering foreign power. Um, In fact, actually in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah prophesies to Ezekiel that some of your sons will be taken away and they'll become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon, right? They're taken away as hostages when Babylon comes in and takes over Jerusalem. Uh, yet, of course, the Babylonians were careful about who they took as their captives. So in, in Daniel 1, verse 3, it tells us the Babylonians chose youths in whom there was no defect, who were good-looking, showed intelligence and in every branch of wisdom, were endowed with understanding and knowledge and discernment, and who had the ability for serving in the king's court. So I think in many ways, they were not unlike the hordes of, of young people, undergraduate, graduate students, who descend on capital buildings every semester and every summer. They were bright, intelligent, idealistic, yet they were also young, naive, and impressionable. So these young Jewish men, they show up in Babylon, uh, historians estimate that there were somewhere between 50 and 75 of them. And the Bible tells us that they were going to learn the language and literature of the Babylonians in preparation for their, their government service to the Babylonians. So basically what the Babylonians would do is they'd take in young people from all their provinces to Babylon, they would train them up, and then they would send them out to some other province to be governors of some other foreign dominion that they held. And early on, uh, when they arrive in Babylon, the young Hebrew men encounter a capital party scene that is characterized by excess and decadence. By the time you get to, to verse 5 of chapter 1, it tells us that they were fed the king's choice food and the same wine the king drank. They were showered with perks and all the advantages of being the king's favorites. So in contemporary parlance, we might say that every meal was an open bar, at a steakhouse, 
sponsored by a special interest group, right? And that's something you'll maybe get to take advantage of when you're in D.C., and that's not a bad thing to go to the occasional evening out sponsored by some interest group that's trying to uh, persuade you of something. But uh, for them, it was just a daily, ongoing, over-the-top party scene. So the Hebrew interns, they get there, and they encounter this culture of indulgence and idolatry that's fueled by imperial power and coerced tribute from these provinces. And unfortunately, the reality is that interns, especially in Washington, D.C., they find a strikingly similar environment. I'm going to date myself here, but perhaps you guys will, will remember the name Monica Lewinsky, right, where you can become a almost a pop star and eventually apparently get your own uh, line of cologne and perfume by uh, starting out as a, an intern in D.C. So there's actually a, a, a news report I'll read you from the Times, quote, it's a stylish life for an intern on Capitol Hill. The nightlife of interns is the talk of the town in Washington these days. Um, and that's, that's, that's pretty much the reality. A different news report used a better phrase. It said life as an intern is coffee, copies, and copulation. There was actually a survey done of Capitol Hill interns that showed uh, nearly half of them had hooked up during their time in D.C., Unfortunately, I'll just tell a story from personal experience. So I had a, a similar presentation to this one that was done when I was an undergrad in college at my beginning of my time in D.C., and they brought in somebody who worked on Capitol Hill to talk to all of us bright-eyed, bushy-tailed new interns. And that person's advice in that circumstance was, it's fine if you flirt with, date, or sleep with other people on Capitol Hill as long as you don't do it in the same office in which you work. Uh, if you're with Another member of Congress's office, that's fine. Just don't do it in your member of Congress's office. Then it just gets awkward and messy. That was the advice that was given when I was when I was there as a, an intern. Um, and that's that's pretty typical. The sort of corollary reality, uh, both for Daniel and I think for you guys as interns, is that alcohol is an ever-present reality of intern life, pretty much regardless of whether you're 21. So the same survey reported that of interns indicated that alcohol is always or sometimes a part of their evening and weekend activities. Um, And perhaps not surprisingly, the alcohol also heavily correlated with the hooking up (laughs) in the survey. So that's that's kind of the D.C. scene in a certain sense. I don't mean to scare you. I just mean to be real with you that it's a particular kind of place, and it's a reality fueled by power and the fact that people spend a lot of money to access and influence power. And there are, you know, other factors that lead to it. It's partially that people kind of come in and come out for such short periods of time in their life. Partially that, you know, members of Congress come in and come out just for a couple of days when they fly in and fly out for session. That's partially that everybody's so young, right? You get to Capitol Hill and you're just struck by the fact that we've got a bunch of 20-somethings running our government. And that's, again, true in D.C. or in a lot of state capitals. Um, but that's kind of the reality of the world we live in. And, and Daniel and his friends in the Bible face equally daunting odds. Uh, the Bible tells us only four of the Israelite young men refused the sumptuous feast from the king's table out of the 50 to 75. Only four held true to uh, who they were. So it was Daniel... And then the other three we know by their Babylonian names from the story of the furnace, 
Um, that would be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So those four, at least, though, they all they all hang together, right? And that iteration of a biblical principle that you become who you hang out with. If you hang out with good folks who are going to be reinforcing on living a virtuous life, then you know you tend to move in the right direction and make good decisions. If you hang out with the wrong crowd and your friends make bad decisions, it's pretty easy to make those bad choices yourself. But we know that that the young men in Daniel's case were were clearly committed to having a a virtuous life. So they grew up in Israel during the reign of Josiah, which uh, the Bible tells us was an age of great awakening where um, the prophets were active and uh, they had just rediscovered God's word under King Josiah. He was one of the good kings. Um, Yet all of a sudden they show up in Babylon and they've lost what you might call their spiritual support structures, right? They were stripped away from their family. They were stripped away from their temple. Um, they were stripped away from their community. And all they really had was one another. And I guess my encouragement from that observation would be that when you get to an internship setting, especially if you're going to be in a new city, to just find other young people who share your values and commitments and hang out with them. I loved my summer in Washington, D.C. Oh, my gosh, it's an incredible town. And I would also point out that virtually all of the fun things to do, whether it's monuments or museums, all come at the ideal price for a budget strap intern, right? They're all free. So whether it's the Millennium Stage at the Kennedy Center or Jazz in the Sculpture Garden or bike riding on Roosevelt Island, a lot of that is way more fun then another night of pictures of Miller Lite and barbecue wings, Pennsylvania Avenue Southeast. If nothing else, you can always do that back at whatever college campus you came from. Uh, you're only in D.C. or for one summer, so enjoy it. Make the most of it. And there's great ways to connect to other young people who share your values and your desire to get the most out of D.C. Capitol Hill Baptist, Grace D.C., Falls Church, National Community Church, there are tons of great churches in D.C. that are packed with young professionals who love the Lord, who work in public policy. And virtually all of them have internship-specific Bible studies or small groups. Right? They, these churches and ministries, they know you're only there for a few months. They know you don't know a lot of other folks in town. And they know you're looking for fun and fellowship. So it's a great opportunity to just get connected and go out and explore and do so in the company of other people who are believers, and uh, you'll have a great summer. Okay, so back to Daniel and his crew. So Daniel made the right choice, the biblical choice, right, that he was going to refuse the food that would violate his Jewish identity, and he was going to stick with his following through on on God's commands about, remember, the Jews had a pretty strict set of dietary laws. So he's going to follow through on, on the dietary laws from God. So he goes to the king's chief of staff, to use our, our kind of modern phrasing. The Bible tells us God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And I'll just take from that one verse, uh, that's verse 9 in, in chapter 1, a couple different suggestions for you. First, as an intern, you should pray for the people in your office. You know, it says God granted Daniel favor and compassion. Pray for your coworkers, pray for your boss, pray for the people who are supervising you, pray for the other interns. It's equally incumbent on us, and this is something I try to do, to pray for 
the people I work with and the people who work under me, including my interns. Second, notice that Daniel went to the king's chief of staff, right? He went to the commander of the officials. And I guess I would just say, you know, interns should not fear the senior staff. So you can't, you have to be respectful of the senior staff, right? They have jobs that are pretty demanding, time-consuming, sometimes high-stress, high-responsibility sort of roles. So you need to be tactful and graceful, and you need to ask at the right moment, um, and you can't abuse it. But if you have a suggestion or a question, in my experience, um, people on senior staff rarely begrudge a honest and earnest inquiry from an intern. So just, you know, I think just like Daniel took the initiative, you should too, right? So it was Daniel and not the chief of staff who initiated the contact. In my experience too, like senior staff are busy people, right? They've got jam-packed inboxes and they go to lots of meetings. So rarely are they going to stop by your desk and say, hey, come in my office. Let's have a substantive conversation about your experiences and what you're doing this summer and uh, what you like and don't like about what you're working on. Right? They're just, that's not, that's not going to happen very often. But I think even more rare is the senior staff member who's going to spurn an email from an intern that says, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Chief of Staff, you know, I really enjoy my time in the office. It's prompted me to think a lot about my own professional interests and my career aspirations. Could we meet for half an hour sometime this week or next week? I would really appreciate your wisdom and advice as I get started on my career. I think a short, respectful email is going to work nearly every time. And if you send a handwritten thank you note afterwards, you could easily be sealing a mentorship relationship that could last uh, an entire career. So in the case of Daniel, uh, the chief of staff actually turns down Daniel's request, it says in verse 10, out of fear of the king. So Daniel then turns to his immediate supervisor, the assistant the chief of staff has appointed over his particular section of interns. Um, so he asks the supervisor to test them for just 10 days, feeding them nothing but vegetables and water rather than the royal food and wine. And he agrees. And at the end of 10 days, as you might know from the story, their appearance was better and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the supervisor permits them to continue on the, the diet that was in line with, with God's dietary laws. I think here the lesson that I'd suggest to you is pretty simple, too. Uh, it's if you can be reasonable, your internship supervisor can be flexible. By which I mean, if you want to do something in particular, especially if you're in D.C., right? You want to watch an oral argument at the Supreme Court one morning. You want to visit your home state senator's weekly breakfast for constituents. My experience, virtually every supervisor in virtually every instance is going to agree. They understand you're only here for a summer, you got a short amount of time, and you want to make the most of it. So if you want to tag along and attend a meeting, just ask. If you want to leave the office to go see or do something, just ask. I think as long as you see permission ahead of time, as long as there's somebody else who's going to be there to answer the phones, no internship supervisor is going to expect you to be chained to your desk. So the other observation I take from that verse is actually appearance matters, right? That looking sharp is important in professional settings like a state capital or Washington, D.C. 
Maybe sadly, but particularly in the warm summer months, especially when Congress might be out of session, one cannot miss the scantily clad female interns who roam Washington. Um, they've actually even picked up the nickname Skinterns, which, you know, just really perpetuates the hookup culture that I described earlier. You don't have to wear a Brooks Brothers suit every day. But if you want to be treated like an adult and treated like a professional, you need to dress like one. Uh, appearance matters. So then we go on uh, with, with Daniel, and you'll also find that Daniel and his three friends were faithful, and it says in verse 17 that God blessed them with knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. And I think there I would just suggest to you that it is really important to read widely, right? They gained intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. I think one of the best things you can do as an intern is just to read constantly and widely. Um, D.C. or state capital, um, in either case, it's a surprisingly small town where um, having the latest information is almost critical for being taken seriously and considered relevant. So if you're in D.C., I think at a minimum, you got to do Politico, which is the single best source for all the latest and greatest that everyone in D.C. cares about. I think uh, Morning Score, if you're a campaign guy, is also a really important read. Axios is also a good read in the morning if you're in D.C. And I, I think the, the transom from Ben Dominic usually is a pretty good read, especially if you're working in kind of conservative movement circles. If you're working out in the state capitol, just find out what the what the local, you know, usually there's some sort of insider newsletter. For us, it's called wispolitics.com in Wisconsin. Um, but just whatever it is, it's important to read a news source. The other one that I read every morning is the Washington Post 202, uh, the Daily 202 email newsletter. But it's important to start every day, dedicate a half an hour to just getting up on the news, which is, which is different than clicking refresh on Twitter, like actually reading a real newspaper, not necessarily the physical print edition, but reading real news from real journalists and getting up on the day. There's no better way to kind of absorb all the names you need to know and knowing what's going on, even if it's not directly relevant to what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, answering the phone or turning out constituent letters. It's part of how you know what questions to ask and how you stay relevant. So read widely and try to gain intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. So I'll just uh, wrap up here in the last few minutes. The first chapter of the Book of Daniel is also drawn to close at this point. And as the, as the chapter ends, that is the educational phase of the young Israel residents in the royal palace. And so they finally reached the last day of their educational experience, uh, what we, we today might call that grip and grin moment, where you're getting your 8x10 photo with King Nebuchadnezzar himself. And as the king is chatting with the young Israelite men, it says in verse 18 that he found none equal among them for the four young friends who stayed true to God. And so they entered the king's personal service. Now, of course, not every internship is going to lead to a job, but many do. I remember one of my early kind of conversations with my internship supervisor when I was in college and talking to the chief of staff for the member of Congress I worked for as an intern. We were talking about whether or not it was worthwhile going to grad school. 
And he said that he would rather have someone who had spent two years working as a staff assistant in a, in a congressional office than somebody who had a master's degree in public policy from a local D.C. university because the person who worked for two years would just know more about how the Hill runs and how things actually get done uh, than somebody who had gone and gotten a master's degree. Now, that's not perfect advice in every situation, but I think it does show how much starting out as an intern often leads to those first entry-level jobs. And if you're willing to stick with it, those early entry-level jobs often lead to, often lead to more substantial jobs. Um, and the reality is most people, after they end their internship, also end their relationship, right? They're there for three months. They have a good time. If you're lucky, they leave you a little card on your desk the last day that says, thanks for letting me be your intern. I learned a lot from you. You're always nice to me. I appreciate what you did to help me have a great summer. And that's wonderful. I love getting those cards as a boss. Uh, but if you can do more than that, you know, if you can send a Christmas card when you're, you know, you intern for somebody for the summer and a couple months later you, you send them a Christmas card, or even if it's just the last week, you know, you ask if somebody can sit down with you for coffee or go out to lunch and say, hey, I really, you know, enjoyed you. I think I could learn a lot from you. You know, would you be my mentor? Would you commit to staying in touch? I, you know, if there's someone who's a good person who gets it, I think most people are, are going to try their best to say yes. Um, I certainly try to do that in my job. I have two law students, one at UW and one at, at Marquette, that I, like, make an intentional effort to text and talk to and spend time with as much as I can, even amongst all my work obligations and having a wife and having two kids. Uh, it's just something worth making a priority out of. So I can't guarantee you that your internship's going to lead to a job, but if you make a positive impression, and if you try to stay in touch, people will remember you, and they'll do their best to help you out in the future. So that's kind of the end of the story for Chapter 1. Of course, you know the rest of the story, right, that Daniel eventually rises to become prime minister of the Babylonian Empire, and his three friends were all made governors of the provinces in Babylon. And I think the reality is that just as much as their experience in a Babylonian royal court prepared them later for the trials uh, that they would face. So your internship can be a test that prepares you for the kind of choices you're going to have to make down the line. Because uh, i got to tell you, if you think the open bar uh, party scene and the temptations of um, sex and, and alcohol and nice living, they may all start as an intern, but Wait until you get to further along, like it gets to a whole other level. But if you make good choices early on, if you kind of emulate Daniel's example, I think you'll be on a great track for not just your internship, but the rest of your career. So let me end with this. It's uh, a couple lines from uh, a gospel hymn. And, you know, usually gospel hymns all are about, I guess, Jesus. That's the gospel. <laughs> but this particular hymn is actually by... Uh, a guy named Phil Bliss, and it was written a long time ago, but it's uh, it's about Daniel. So here are the lines from the from the song. Stand, I won't try to sing it with you for your sake and mine. <laughs> Standing by a purpose true, heeding God's command, honor them, the faithful few, all hail to Daniel's band. Dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, dare to make it known. That's my prayer for you, that uh, as you guys start your careers, as you do your internships, 
that you would uh, do to be a Daniel, that you'd be the kind of interns that it's a joy for people like me to have as a boss, and that it would be um, equally a joy for you to learn and uh, see the good things that come from public service and the wonderful opportunities we have to make a difference for the principles and the people we believe in, to uh, serve our friends and neighbors and our communities back home. It's a wonderful calling to be in public service. And, and my prayer for you is that in those moments when you face these same sorts of trials and temptations that, that Daniel faced, and then you'd make the same kind of choices and, and dare to be a Daniel, even if occasionally it means standing alone. From- Thank you for listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. If you liked the show, please drop a review in your podcast app and be sure to subscribe for all our latest episodes. You can follow Forge Leadership Network at Forge Leadership on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about Forge programming, please visit forgeleadership.org.